Hey everybody, this is Josh Barnett with Think on These Things, back for part two of Knowing the Word, and I got my boy Noah Tyson with me again. And we are excited about part two. Part two. We'll see how far we get through it, but last time we were talking about knowing the Word. We'd looked at John 1 in the beginning, was the Word, the Word was with God, His life was the light of all mankind, all of those things. And we talked about stewarding a relationship with Jesus. Yep. Having that intimacy with him and and uh, why that is the most important calling of believers, Christians, mm-hmm. church, everybody. It's the most important thing. And so if you missed that one, go check out part one. Part two here we're talking about, we're going to start off with, you got to know the word, but you also have to know his words. Like you have to know what Jesus says. You have to study your Bible. The your, words of the word. The, yeah, the words <laughs> of the words. You cannot separate the word, capital W, from his words, lowercase w. You can't separate the man from his message. Yep. And it's funny, you no, know, because a lot of people do this. It's like we we don't want people to project themselves on us, right? We don't want – we're all self-defined human beings. Mm-hmm. We don't – people don't tell me what I'm like. But we think oftentimes we can do it with Jesus. Is like that we can change him or we can conform him to our image, but then he's no longer Christ. That's an, that's an idol that you have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's this concept of like, you know, you just need to encounter Jesus. You just need to encounter Jesus. And we talked last episode about why that is important. You do need to encounter Jesus. You need to encounter the person of Jesus, but you also have to encounter his words. You also have to encounter him through what he said. And I'll, I'll say like, yes, his presence has power, you know, um, obviously people just came into the room with him and, and miracles happened, but you also like, you need an encounter with what he said. He's God. So he self-defines, right? If more than anybody else has a right to self-define, it is God. It is Christ. So, and how does, how has he revealed himself? What's the, one of the number one ways that he's revealed himself? If not the number one way is our Bibles. We believe the scripture. We can do an apologetic on it later if we need to, but we believe scripture is the inerrant, infallible word of God, even the old Testament, you know, even some of those verses that you don't like Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says that his words will never pass away. And so when, even in John one, when it says in the beginning was the word, why was John saying that? Because he was saying, Jesus is everything God wanted to say about himself. And he's, he's been in all of it, you know, even the old Testament, like he's been in all of it. He is the word and he's got some words that he wants to say. I love uh second Timothy three, 16 through 17. Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's, you know, Noah, One, I think one of like the greatest threat to the next generation of believers is you got to know scripture. You cannot elevate your words above his words. And you cannot conform him into your image because then you're no longer talking about him. You're talking about something that you have made up in your mind, something that you have created. And so I see, you know, even we last night actually was the Super Bowl. (laughs) I don't know when we're going to post this, but even the like he gets us ads and it's like you go and read their statements about what they say about him, and it's like they're cha- they they're like changing Jesus, they're changing and twisting scripture to fit into this mold of some social justice warrior that Jesus just wasn't. And there's a real danger there, where you're, you know, it reminds me of <laughs> hot take. <laughs> Should I clip yeah, it? Post it on social yeah, and get all the let's views. Show it, bro. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of Romans ten where Paul commends the Jews, they had zeal for God, but you don't have knowledge. And you it's dangerous to have zeal without knowledge. 
It's like zeal without knowledge. Like if you're, if you're, it's dangerous. It's like, you know, you're going to be swinging a sword around. You're going to, you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt yourselves because it's deceitful. Mm -hmm. And you can see a lot of zeal in this next generation and not a lot of knowledge. You see lots of passion, but little knowledge. Like we've got to know him and know about him. I do know that there is a danger to the ditch of just knowing about him. And we talked some about that in the last episode, but there is also a danger of thinking that, you know, him without knowing about him. Like mm-hmm. we've got to know mm-hmm. what he says. Zeal is not a bad thing. We should have great zeal, great passion for God, but it has to be paired with knowing Jesus. Ephesians 1 17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Or some translations say, grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I think uh, also just speaking to maybe, you know, young or old, just the person who hasn't been able to uh, maybe nail down a re- their reading of Scripture and the yeah. consistency. And, and, you know, maybe they have, and, and I've even, shoot, I've even experienced this, but like consistency in the secret place, sure. but not in reading the Word. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, you know, there's there's a natural longing and desire for, you know, the miraculous. Sure. That just appeals to you, the presence of God, because yeah. he makes you cry and yeah. because all the stuff, it's like, okay, um, there is, I mean, there's for sure something to that that's mm-hmm. important. Um, but, you know, your word's not boring. I know it seems boring, but it's not boring. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think of, this is something just a revelation the Lord's put on my heart, but eternal perspective, just the reality that everything in your life truly is spiritual because the Lord created, like, you know, there's such a separation between the practical and the spiritual. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. The Lord created, (laughs) the Lord created the science to create your practical. Mm -hmm. Naturally, that is a significant, it's supernatural. Literally the, 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 when you place one foot in front of the other, it's supernatural. The Lord has created everything. And so naturally he can work within those systems. And frankly, if he works outside of those systems, it might not even be that it's the human definition of supernatural. It's just mm-hmm. outside of our understanding of how he's further developed the world than, than sure. we think or whatever. Um, but I come back to, it's an eternal perspective. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. you realize just how meaningless mm-hmm your life is outside of God. Right. And so for me, so much of my desire to read the word comes from just the fact that there is here is physical, that physical words of God in this book that out of all these things, material things in this world is the only thing that's actually going to last. And so that's kind of where that desire was stirred up in me first was this isn't boring. The creator of the universe has inspired these physical words in front of me. And it get, doesn't get more real than that. Right. You know? And those things are, are longer lasting and have proven to be longer lasting than even entire bloodline, bloodlines and sure. generations, em, empires, kingdoms. And so that first, I think, is where, for me anyway, in my disposition, my personality, where I was drawn to getting in my word first was like, oh my gosh, I look around me, I just see temporary yeah. And then I look at this and I see permanence. I'm like, okay, let's let's explore this. Well, and it's more. fascinating too. It's like, why would you not want to read eyewitness accounts, guys that walked with Jesus? 
Yeah. Right. Like that's fascinating to me. It's like, I want to, I want to read this because these people walked with him on this Mm -hmm. earth, like, or they walked with the ones who walked with him, you know, or they're seeing crazy, insane miracles, like on a daily basis, or, you know, just why would I not want to read what Moses wrote about him? Mm -hmm. Like, dude, it's, it's, there's gotta, and, but again, like we have to read it in relation with knowing him. Cause it's like, Lord, right. I opened my Bible, like, Lord, make this a reality to me. For sure. It's sometimes is it boring. Yes. But, but it's real dangerous to worship, to worship him, to seek his face without knowing what he said. Yeah. And the Bible is, is God's self. It's, it's a revelation of himself and a revelation of how he wants to be connected with us. Mm-hmm. And you, you can really easily get twisted off. And it makes me think about Noah uh, in Exodus 32, the golden calf. Mm-hmm. This generation is in a real danger of worshiping worship. The golden calf of the spiritual experiences. The- yeah. Well, what's fascinating about that is like they told Aaron, like, we want a God that we can see. We want a God that we can touch. We want a God that like right here with us. And if you look at the Hebrew, when Aaron fashioned the golden calf, he said, this is Jehovah. Most translations translate it to gods. These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. But mm-hmm. if you look at the Hebrew, Aaron says, this is Jehovah. This is Yahweh that brought you out of Egypt. And it made God so mad because they were fast. They were fashioning God in their own image. Mm-hmm. They were they were saying, you're this for us. We don't want you how you are. We want you to be like this. And it made God so mad that if it wasn't for Moses interceding, God was going to wipe them out and start over. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we got to be careful that we are not worshiping worship. We're not worshiping movements. Just because your favorite pastor said it doesn't mean that it's true. Just because your favorite worship musicians are saying it or doing it doesn't mean that it's right. You've Mm -hmm. got to, you've got to know what he said about himself. Mm -hmm. You've got to be clear. Like this is who, this is who God is. And Cause you'll get caught up in false, you'll get caught up in a false gospel. You'll get caught up in like, uh, almost like a culty thing. You'll get caught up in like progressive Jesus. You'll get caught up in, you know, this is, I mean, this is Mormonism, Jehovah witnesses, like Muslims, Jews, like they all have like this God that they follow, but we don't believe that it's our God, but they're very zealous for it, but it doesn't mean that they're right. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can be very zealous for something and be very zealously wrong, right? You can be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, we've got to be careful that like we don't get caught up in, and even like the progressive Jesus movement, like this social justice Jesus movement. To me, it's it is just like those other false religions because it gets caught. It's very caught up in like works based religion. You've got to do these things and you've so got to accept true, these man. people and you've got to do these, you know, and you've got to post this or you don't really love people or you don't mm. really love God. You mm. don't really love the people that God created. And it's like, hang on, like you're giving me all these ABCs and one, two, mm. threes of things that we have to do that aren't even necessarily right, yeah. that are actually can be very sinful. Um, and it's, dude, good theology is so important. Yeah. We have to know what God says about himself. We cannot put words in his mouth. Yeah. We've got to let him speak to us and tell us who he is. And people get caught up. It's like, you know, oh, God doesn't speak to me. He he has. He gave us his written word. And mm-hmm. actually, the more that I read his written, written word, the more that I hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if I'm in the word, like, and this is God's self-revelation, this is what he has said about himself, then I begin to think the language, like the Bible is the language of heaven. The Bible is the language of God. God speaks Bible. Mm-hmm. We've heard that before. And it's so the more that I read his vo- read his word, the more that I hear his voice on a moment to moment basis, a day to day basis, because his will through his word is getting in my heart. 
Does that make sense? No, it does. It makes perfect sense. And what you were saying about it's all, it's a workspace in a way. It's just very interesting. Like, are you seeking revival because it's because people are crying and because it, people get happy and because they jump up and down and because it's fun or is it going to be a secondary consequence as a result of beholding him? Like we Mm -hmm. talked about in the last episode, right? Revival will come with the one who is that's just part of like and also what you were saying how you ended it you know intimacy has to come before the babies Mm -hmm. right the first mission that the lord gave was be fruitful and multiply yeah but be fruitful and multiply almost in a way saying multiplication is a consequence of fruitfulness Mm -hmm. who is fruitfulness the definition of fruitfulness right god Mm -hmm. first fruit love Mm -hmm. You behold the one who is, and as a result, everything else will come. Mm-hmm. Fruitfulness will come, and as a result, multiplication. And so you're right. Like, are you? Are we worshiping? We're trying so hard to, to get revival starting on, on campus. Thank God, you know, I, there's a, apparently there's some stuff going down in like Asbury. Asbury yeah, and they're I, like I on, just at literally, this point, I think they're on day six I literally right just got a text uh, from my cousin who goes to Lee, and he's like, something's stirring up at Lee University right now. And uh, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, okay, as long as it's about him, as long as it's guided by his word, as long as it's a pursuit after him Mm -hmm. and not the experiences, not the falling out of the spirit, not the speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. those things will come. They cannot be the focus. All those things are great, right? Right. But it's not like, I'm not after that. I feel like young Christians kind of, like just from that experience, I'm just kind of like, oh, I want that. I want mm-hmm. that. I want that because I have so many uh, very impactful moments in my life that happen to be, you know, in association with some of those things happening. Mm-hmm. And so naturally that's kind of what I'm like, well, that m- must mean that the Lord's working and that just, that can't be. Yeah. The well, focus. cause we get caught up. I, music's very, very, very moving. And so that's why a lot of people are like, they love worship, but you can't love worship and not love the word of God. Like you, yeah. you, you cannot separate him from his, his word, his presence from his word, from the things that he says. And if music is all that's moving you, like, then you can go to a secular concert and get the same feelings, get the same goosebumps, mm-hmm. you know, get the same emotional response from your body. I think all of those things, emotional responses and goosebumps and sens- sensations and all of that is great, but it's not what we're chasing. We're chasing him. And then all of those things follow, but I'm not, I, I don't you know, when I'm leading a meeting, I don't ever want to manufacture a moment. Right. I want to just, let's go into his presence and then just let's see what he does. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's walking in faith too, in a way yeah. of like the Lord will, the Lord knows what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So there is a level of surrender and walking in faith, just being like the Lord's we're bad about like doing, we're bad about having some kind of powerful service and then like, wow, that was powerful. So it must be like, if we do this and we do this and we do this, that then this mean, will happen. Which is works oriented. Exactly what you're talking about. It's, which, it's defining, it's defining that experience based off of the behaviors, the results, not based off of the one, right. the whole reason we went there in the first place. Absolutely. And I think that's why people even fall in love with tradition. Cause it's like, well, this is the way my grandma did it. And so mm-hmm. God moved then. And it's like, well, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think God necessarily always moves to say you even look at the way jesus handled people mm-hmm. like he handled so many people like how many different ways did he heal blind people right you know how many different ways did he did he deal with people and so there's not a formula to this and the reason why is because he wants us to hear his word he wants us to lean into his voice and so that starts with knowing the bible with knowing scripture 
Good theology is important. Worship is awesome, but we also have to love teaching the word. We also have got to love listening to our pastor teach. We've also got to grow in the knowledge of our scripture because we grow in the knowledge of who God is. Right. First um, Timothy 1, 18 and 19, Paul says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. And so I've suffered shipwreck with regard of their faith, which to me, no, like this reminds me of people who deconstruct so much. Like deconstruction to me is people who are shipwrecked because they are not remembering, they're not recalling the prophetic word. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be prophecies about you, but even like the prophetic word that's given in scripture for the lack of prophetic vision that people cast off restraint is found in, Pro- we see that in Proverbs. And so like we need words from God and hold on to that or we will shipwreck our faith. We'll turn God into something that he's completely not. We'll say that he's for things that he's not for, that he's against things that he's not against. And so we have to be really, really careful that we don't allow our ship, our faith to be shipwrecked because we refuse to recall on the word of God, and which to me looks a lot like deconstruction. Mm. And so like, I'm going to use a big word here, uh, epistemology. Epistemology is like the study of how we come to know things. It's just easier to say epistemology. But uh, our epistemology comes from the authority of scripture. All authority is from God, right? We would believe most, you know, believers, whether they're, you know, right about their theology or not, all authority is from God. All scriptures are God breathed. We Mm -hmm. see that in 2 Timothy 3.16. So scripture has authority. Now the Bible is not God, but we cannot separate him from that. In the beginning was the word... We don't separate the words, words as Christ followers. We don't change or separate ourselves from what he said. We don't change what he said. We don't separate ourselves from what he said, but like the Bible is where we draw all authority from and it's our plumb line. Right. And so like we, everything we have, every experience we have, everything that we do, everything that we hear, um, all the counsel, the advice, the messages that we see in culture, like we have to, we have to, balance like bring it all back to scripture does this line up with scripture and if not then i'm throwing it out right and if it does i'm gonna okay well i'm gonna follow through with it um and so the scripture has authority over my life and if if it doesn't have authority on your life what does your opinion yeah well so what makes your opinion different from somebody else's opinion Mm -hmm. and so like this is important as believers like our rock our firm foundation is christ and what he said Mm mm-hmm and we cannot put words in his mouth. We cannot change him into something else. Now, Jesus said in John 5, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So we see both, you know, we see the ditch of you can know about him and not know him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can be we, we can read the Bible apart from Christ. We can be, read the Bible apart from, I can read the, I've, you know, I kind of fall in the ditch of, I can read the Bible because I want to be right, or I want to know everything. And it's like, no, like I'm reading it because I'm in this relationship with him. The scriptures testify about him. So Jesus is saying, these scriptures should lead you to me. Mm-hmm. The primary point of the Bible is to point to Jesus. All scripture is a, uh, another uh, theological term that we use is uh, Christocentric. All scripture points to Christ. The point of his words is to point to himself. So yes, you need to encounter Jesus, but you encounter him through one of the biggest ways we encounter him is we have to encounter him through what he says, understanding he is self-defined. 
if we believe he's Jesus, he said some really important things. When you encounter the things that he said, you do encounter him. And it's found really all through the gospels, but John 14, 15, John 8 comes to mind. If you're my friends, you'll what? Do what I have Amen. commanded. And when even the Great Commission, go ye therefore, making disciples, teaching them to obey mm. everything that I've commanded. So it's obey the words that are coming out of my mouth. And it's and again, it's it's you don't read it in the tone of like, uh, if you love me, you'll obey me. Mm-hmm. Right. This, this tone of, um, that I, you know, I may use with my kids of like, you know, if, if you want to, if you want ice cream, you'll clean your room. You know, it's not that tone. It's this, you know, if you don't clean your room, I'm going to spank you. It's this tone of Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. Right. Right. It's, it's this, uh, it's a byproduct again. If you love me, you'll obey me. Okay. I love him. I'm in this relationship with him. And so therefore I have a desire to obey him. I have a desire to listen to his commands. Well, where do I find a lot of his commands? In the Bible. Scripture. <laughs> in scripture. So, and 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 going to scripture, we've got to, we've got, we've got to know it's not what scripture means to me. What does scripture mean? Mm-hmm. And I want to throw this caution out there too. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it can't be explained. I think sometimes we run over hard concepts in scripture. We run into what we think are um, um, contradictions. Right. It's like, just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that it can't be explained. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we've got to know that it is us who may be under-informed or misinformed, but I'm not, I am not the judge of scripture. I allow scripture to judge me, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't judge it. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like you're talking about authority. It's like, if you're not in your word, then what becomes your leading authority is your experiences and your perspective is so flawed naturally. Your lens is flawed as a fallen human Mm -hmm. right now. And so, um, and so there's danger in that. And, and also. Well, that just reminds me too, like even Job, I taught on Job a couple weeks ago at church. Uh, I, when oh, Job yeah. sees him, he's like, I thought you were this way, but now that I have seen you face to face and now that I hear you speak to me, I realize I was wrong. Yeah. This is the way that you are. Right. Cause Job was listening to his friends, listening to his wife, right. Allowing his experiences, mm-hmm. like all of the loss and suffering and evil that he just went through, allowing those to change his perspective. Right. So if we're only defining God through what we experience, well, what about when you have a bad experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll think, well, God doesn't love me, or he's not just, or yeah. he's not merciful, or he's not graceful. It's like, no, he defines himself. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Job's like, now that I have seen you, I repent. Yeah. Right? And so he's, it's yeah. in that place of, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even think about within relationships, again, going back, it can always be paralleled to love that, that humans have, like yep. just the, uh, by God is love. Like when you, in any sense, in instance within your life, when there's love involved, you can see so many parallels to God when it's real, not, you know, when it's, when it's mm-hmm. love and not lust, yeah, so, sure. so to speak, you know, <laughs> but I'm just looking at like, like how crazy is it when you, you could, for example, our pastors around here, man, <laughs> what you see is what you get. Yeah. They're not out here, you know, they're, they're not, 
trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. They know they're human, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I just so many times have seen, they'll say things from the pulpit or they'll say things to people. And when those people don't know their heart, Mm -hmm. they experience just like their lens distorts it and they Mm -hmm. don't see it for what it is. But when you know their heart, right. When they say like, like for example, my mentor, Paul Kern, I'll never forget, man. I'll go through Leaders Academy or going through our internship. I lived with him for a year, and in the, in the beginning, he he get on to me, and I would and I would get a little offended. Mm-hmm. Man, now he gets on to me, and I just feel nothing but love. Mm-hmm. And it's because I know his heart. It's because we have taken time. I've taken time with him, intimacy in that way of just like getting to know someone for who they are truly. You understand their heart. And now when the experiences happen, you view it within the lens of the truth of who they are, of who their heart is. It's the same thing with the word. You have to learn the heart of God through word, through the revelation of the son in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, right? Christocentric. Mm -hmm. And then your experiences fall in line with the truth of of scripture. When it's not that way, when when you're not in scripture, your scripture has to fall in line with your experiences. And that's when people get way off, right. you know? Well, then that's, that's too going back to episode one, Eve thought, did God really say, right? Well, Eve, right. And Eve added to the word of God. Cause she yeah. said, he said, don't, uh, don't eat. He told Adam, don't eat it. Don't eat of it. Mm-hmm. Eve added and said, he said, don't eat of it or even touch it. Mm-hmm. And so like Eve didn't know what God really said. Maybe she, maybe Adam didn't inform her all the way, or he was like putting legalism in there. Mm-hmm. But like the, that first deception is like, did God really say? And so that's where we, that's where I see a lot of deconstruction happen is where, um, that's the first deception is the, the Bible's not infallible. Yeah. It's not inerrant. Yeah. God didn't really mean that. That word didn't mean this. Mm-hmm. And so you fall into this trap of, God is withholding something from me. That's why he's correcting me. That's why he's doing this. That's why it's even. Mm. And so like, but now, you know, like you're saying, you know, Paul's heart and his heart was to love you. Mm -hmm. And so when we know God, we know his heart, we see, Hey, he's actually trying to lead me in the fullest life possible. And he's showing me that these things that I really feel like, really feel like I love that person. I really feel like this. I really feel like I should be able to do this. God's saying that's, that leads to death. That is the way that I designed the universe to operate. You're, you're acting in um, violation of that. And so that's going to kill you. Mm. Right. And that's, that's the choice that he gave us. You know, he gave us this free will because he wanted us to be able to choose him Mm -hmm. and not be these, you know, these mindless I robots. You, Mm -hmm. um, you, I I think maybe C.S. Lewis and the problem of pain explains it. I may be misquoting this. Maybe somebody else has said this, but without the capability to do evil, there's no capability to do good. Exactly. Yeah. And so he gave us this choice of where we can choose to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but choosing to do the right thing is so much easier. makes so much more sense when I know him, because I realize what he has commanded me to do is going to lead me in the fullest life possible that he has for me. And then people just, people look at to everything that they have to lose if I follow him. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm looking at everything that you have to gain. Mm-hmm. You get him. And you get him in a greater degree. Mm-hmm. The more like God always rewards obedience, mm-hmm. and it and and not necessarily materially, but with more of Himself. And when you get more of Him, you get more of the kingdom. 
You get more joy. You get more peace. You get more righteousness. You get more mercy. You get more grace. You get to experience all these things that it's hard to even put language into. When I obey him, I I, I get an increase of him in my life. I get an increase of his presence, not because not he's withholding himself from me, but because I, through disobedience, withhold myself from him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so like, it's, you know, I, that's such a great example that you use there of getting to know Paul in his heart. It's like when I get to go know God in his heart, when he tells me no, it's because he's trying to help me. It's because yeah. he's trying to save yeah. me. And it's because he's trying to show me like, hey, I've got more for you, right? There's more for you in my house, bro, mm-hmm. than there is in the world. Yeah. And so that's why I'm trying to lead. I'm not trying to keep you from anything. I'm not withholding anything. For, I actually mm-hmm. want to give you all of myself. Yeah. But I have these commands because he, God is the authority. He's the designer of life. And, and I think Bill Johnson says, you cannot go against design and expect a better result. I cannot yeah. go against the one who designed something and expect to get a better result. I have to follow his plans, his way, his will. What's a great way that I know that? The word, knowing scripture. Yeah. But going, you know, just some rules about reading scripture is like, it's not what you think it means. It's what does it mean? Yeah. Not what does the Bible mean to me? What does the Bible mean? Mm-hmm. Another good rule, no, I think is good because we, t- we can take things out of context or th- take un- understanding that the Bible was, was um, not written to us. <laughs> it was written for us, but not to us. Mm-hmm. And understanding that all the authors had specific audiences that they were writing to. And so it's good to understand the culture, the history the context in which they were writing, or we'll take things, well, you know, you'll start, if you read scripture out of context, you'll start a cult. And so you got to be really careful and understand what was the author meaning to say? What was the Holy Spirit meaning to say? What was the original meaning here? Because if I don't go for the original meaning, then I will fascist, I will fashion God into my own image, just like a gold, a golden calf. So how do I, how do we know what God is like? Our scripture. Mm-hmm. We know what God is like because of what he said to us. God isn't trying to speak to you to the what the Bible means to you, but rather what it meant to the people they were writing it to. And when we understand that, we understand what God was really trying to say. Yeah. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We've got to know the word of God. We've yeah. got to know scripture. Yeah. And through scripture, he begins to shape us into what mm. we're... And, and if you're a believer, if you love God, like you invite that. You're not resistant to yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the whole time you're talking, man. I'm just like, I'm feeling this phrase and it's the power of mystery. Yeah, there is a mystery to it. Man, like, and and I, you can see how it can... I always kind of look at where the enemy likes to attack, mm. where he likes to kind of move... And that's always where I where there's the most power in my mind. Yeah. And so I'm looking at, you know, the enemy's first thing he attacks is is the mystery mm-hmm. of God. And even when you read your word, like it's there, but there's still so much mystery to it. And when you're in relationship, it's when you're loving someone, it's the mystery, the fascination with them, learning more about them. Mm-hmm. It's the mystery. Well, on the other side of that, that mystery can also be distrust. You know, mm-hmm. and so, and I'm just trying to articulate this right now, but you know, when I, when, when I have this revelation of 
how the enemy wants to take the mystery and misconstrued it and turn it into something like distrust. It almost in a way is like, no, I don't want the enemy to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to read my word. I want to experience what I experience along the lines of who God actually is. And it's like this inner desire, this pursuit of truth that in God being what is true, it's a, it's a pursuit of God, you know? And so like the whole time you're talking, I'm like, there's so much power in the mystery. Don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy poison that. Right. Take that mystery and defend it with your life, Mm -hmm. defend it with what you have and watch God fulfill his promises and, um, and so I feel like may, I could articulate that a little bit further, but the whole time you're talking, I'm just hearing is the power of the mystery. No, yeah. that mystery is a good thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Lean into it, lean into it, embrace it. Uh, what I love about the Greek word of, uh, mystery used in the new Testament, it means hidden from the common gaze. Mm. And so like, there's a searching in this, it's a, there's a searching, there's a mining a of the word where I'm, as I read scripture, like, yes, it's and Paul talks about it a lot. Like there's this, this mystery of knowing Jesus, there's a mystery of growing in the knowledge of him and, uh, hidden from the common gaze. I, I love a uh, proverb. I believe it's Proverbs 25 two says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of Kings to seek it out. And yes. so it's like, he's, yes. he's hiding things, not from us, but for us. Like it's this. Yes. This desire of like, as we draw near and as we, you know, and that's why the, in the, with the word is living and active, right? You know, it has its spirit breathed. And so while, and I'll say this too, like when reading scripture, there's one meaning, like I was talking about, what's it mean? There's one meaning, but there's many applications. Correct. And so like, as I read, you know, as I read, like, you know, the meaning of David and Goliath Mm -hmm. is David represents Christ. Goliath represents the enemy, right? And so he mm-hmm. defeats darkness. He defeats the spirit of the world. He defeats the devil, all those things. But also like there's a lot of applications in David and Goliath that we can glean from. And the Lord wants to teach teach us through David and Goliath sure. and, and how um, we, we also defeat those things because Christ defeated them. And so now how we mm-hmm. also are kind of like David defeating those things in the world now as we have been joined with him, right? And so there's one yeah. meaning, there's many applications. Um, and so the, the mystery is, is I learn the meaning. And then as I'm reading it in relationship with him, I begin to see these applications, right? And they don't, they never contradict the word. They never contradict what he said, because then you're, you know, <laughs> you're going to get into some weird stuff. Um, but it's this mystery of this pursuit of how I grow in the knowledge of him. How I, how do I know him and know about him? How do I know about him? How how does knowing about him fuel my relationship in knowing him? Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, I want, and and back to the marriage relationship, I want to know about Sarah so that I can know her deeper. Okay. So I know about her. Like, I I don't know when we're going to drop this, but tomorrow's Valentine's day here. And so I'm thinking about Valentine's day and I know about her that she loves macaroons. I know about her that she likes flowers, but not necessarily just roses. Mm-hmm. You know, she likes she likes a mixture of stuff. I know those things about her. And so I want to bring those things to her to please her. And when I do, it stirs up a love in her heart for me. And my and as I'm doing them for her, it stirs a love in my heart for her. And it's this again, that's what Paul says in Ephesians five. It, it's a mystery. This illustrate he and he even talks about this like Ephesians five is not necessarily about man and wife although we learn a lot about man and wife in it it's about the relationship between us and him and he said this is a great mystery but this is the best illustration that I could come up with yeah so this is the best 
human language that I can put to. And when you're reading scripture, like understanding it is written, it's spirit breathed. There's human language to it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like, it's the best that our finite minds can process about him. But understanding like he's an, he is an infinite resource. Like he's an infinite power source. He's an, that, uh, Ephesians two says that we're going to learn about the graces of our God for the ages to come. And so I, you know, I love, uh, I can't remember who said it, but it's, it's, why do we live forever? It's because it's going to take forever to get to know him. Yeah. Which is cool because if we could wrap our minds completely around him, because people just like, well, uh, they just write off. I can't understand it. So whatever, but Proverbs three, five, trust not in your own understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so (laughs) in all your ways, acknowledge him. I would hate to have a, to serve a God that I completely understand. Right. Because then he would be very finite. Then he wouldn't be very, very, very powerful. Yeah. And so there's this mystery of getting to know him, which is really cool. How long have we been going? 36. Have we really? 37. Okay. All right. We'll land the plane. I guess this may turn into a five part series, I guess. This is a good, no, this is a good spot. Okay. So part one, know the the word capital W, but don't part two, don't separate him from his words. So no scripture, know the Bible. It's very important. Keep reading it. Never stop. It's not It's not a check on my to-do list. Neither one of these things mm-hmm. are not checks on my to-do list. This is my life. As a believer, yeah. I am consumed with him, and I'm consumed with the things that he said. Great. Amen? Good stuff, man. All right. Rock and roll. We'll see you for part three next time.